0: So the pandemic really puts workplaces right at the forefront of everybody's mind space. I think that this is something that's a priority for every business leader as they think about their workforce.
1: The office as we knew it and everything it stood for is on hold, at least while we navigate the pandemic without a vaccine. After Twitter told its employees they can work from home forever, San Francisco-based Slack followed suit. Google and Facebook also announced that they're remote for at least another year. At Harappa too, we're all still on mandatory WFH. No one really knows what the future holds, but everyone has an opinion. Some people firmly believe that anyone who thinks things will go back to how they used to be is bananas. It's only natural to wonder then, is this the end of the office? Welcome back to Season 2 of Habits Matter. I'm your host, Shreya Singh, founder and CEO of Harappa Education. On this episode, meet an architect, a business columnist, and an organizational behavior specialist to find out what lies in store for the future of the office. Will co-working spaces see a resurgence? What is the upside of working from home? And what is the real loss to mourn when you can't go to work for work?
0: Hi, I'm Aparna Piramal Rajay. I write on business and design um, for the Mint mostly. So I got interested in the design of office spaces because my family had an office furniture company a long time ago. Uh, It was a company called BP Ergo. Um, And when I graduated from business school, I was studying at Harvard. Um, I came back and I was running that for a few years. Um, And that's when I really got exposed to this whole field of business and design and trying to combine the two together. And so I was very intrigued by how we could put these disciplines together and and create uh, a new language of uh, workplace design. I was on a webinar with a very well-known epidemiologist uh, the other day. And he said that temperature checking and symptom checking will miss 80% of the COVID cases that actually happen. So just, going, just doing those kinds of things are not actually going to be enough. There is also survey data to show that most companies are going to be relying on temperature checks and symptom checks as a way of making sure that you know employees are safe, whereas the data is showing that those measures are not going to be enough.
1: Things haven't come to a halt everywhere, however. Many offices are experimenting with short-term measures like creating makeshift barriers with translucent plastic sheets supposed to be shields from the virus. While these aren't exactly a guarantee against the virus, the makers of plexiglass have certainly seen a demand boom. For many others, it's business as usual.
0: I came across a really interesting entrepreneur in my studies called Parizad Zorabian, And um, she runs uh, Zorabian Chicken, the poultry company. And, you know, a company like that, which is a small, mid-sized business, they needed all their employees to actually be in the office. And um, so even though employees found it uh, were initially quite scared, she took the lead and she said, you know, I'm not going to sit in my cabin. I'm going to sit out there with everyone else so that I can show that I'm just as vulnerable as anyone else. And she was there every day throughout this crisis. She is still there because she had to keep her business afloat. So I think leaders sending strong signals like that uh, gives people confidence that that they're able to handle something like this.
1: Companies have also introduced rotational working to allow for social distancing. According to a leader at Barclays, the notion of putting 7,000 people in a building may certainly be a thing of the past. Yet there's a good reason to believe the buildings themselves aren't going away as spaces for collaboration. For most of us, the need to connect with people is innately human. For many, real-life interaction is still more than a preference. It's a necessity.
2: Collaboration is not just having your teams get together and uh, and do work, um, um, which you can also do online, but think about people who work in research and development, R&D and biotech, pharmaceutical businesses that are running experiments. Um, um, so how can you run those experiments if you're working from home? Um, and as of innovation, um, innovation is also a very tricky aspect here because with innovation, you, you need to have these Moments of serendipity, you need to get together and brainstorm. And yes, the virtual environment versus the physical environment will definitely have an impact on that, on that brainstorming process, on the decision-making process, and, and the way how people come up with ideas and share ideas.
1: There's organizational behavior specialist Ali Fennec telling us why physical spaces are essential for collaboration and why remote work may not really be forever. Professor Fennec is also the founder of Lead TCML a behavior research consultancy in the Netherlands.
2: Remember, 93% of our communication is nonverbal communication. So we need to have these nonverbal cues. Uh, You need to see each other's hands and eyes uh, to be able to read the air as it may. And and this is really hard to do with existing technology. So I, I believe the modern workplace will also start to implement more advanced technology that will help to facilitate these virtual engagements.
1: It's too early to make big predictions, but it's easy to imagine a future of work that's hybrid, where we're sometimes at work and sometimes working from home. We may think, collaborate, and solve problems in shared spaces and stay home for concentrated tasks. Technology will evolve to enhance remote collaboration, which will hopefully be more engaging than a Zoom call. We recently rolled out MS Teams to transition from WhatsApp, and my colleague Neeraj evocatively said, it seems like we've moved to a new office. That's a fresh new way to reimagine the office. All in all, we will see more flexibility and more variety in experiences than the traditional office offered. For all the churn and pain, this can't be a bad thing. When the four-day workweek became a hot topic in 2019, after Microsoft did a successful trial run in Japan and Finland said it would possibly experiment with the idea, we wrote it off as a fad, but now, we've been forced to think in another direction. For example, I've been thinking of a 3-2-2 model for Harappa when we finally go back to the office. Three days of work at work, two days work from anywhere, and two days of holidays. The messy reality is that most people miss the office sometimes. And most people will miss the convenience and rhythm of working from home if asked to be back in an office every day, every week. So it's not going to be an either or decision. Organizations will need to be prepared to manage a third way of working, a true blend. Employers should be
0: giving employees the flexibility now of being able to choose where they want to work, when they want to work. And I think it's going to be a tougher task to manage a, a hybrid model where some people are working in at home, some people are working from the office, um, on, any, on any given day, how do you know who's going to be in the office on which day, coordinating all of that, you know, working out those things. But I, I think that possibly the pandemic has shown that this is possible, right? Um, and and that people want this to, to have that flexibility in their lives. We will have to be more careful about uh, people's sensitivities, about coming back into the workplace and their... It's challenges if they have elderly parents being at home, if they have children being at home, if they have if they are vulnerable in in those ways, uh, how they feel about it. So I think that it it will have to be a more uh, sensitive and gradual move back into the workplace.
1: After COVID nineteen, at least forty eight percent of employees will likely work remotely, at least in part, according to a Gartner survey in June twenty twenty. For those who absolutely despise working from home. Here's some solace.
2: For a lot of people, they choose to go back to the workplace because they want to escape the home environment. <laughs> this this is also very true, but it's luckily it's not the majority of us. Um, so that would be my first point. I think the second opportunity about working remotely um, is um, people experiencing less stress due to commuting. Uh, commuting can be a, a huge stress factor for a lot of people. Um, you know, in, in Rotterdam, it's not that much of an issue. Uh, in the Netherlands, it is kind of an issue. But think of cities, major cities like Mumbai, Tokyo, um, yeah, London. You know, commuting is is terrible. You know, normally you as an employer or as an employee you would be very much limited by your, your the proximity of finding talent, let's say. but in this case now all of a sudden the world is your talent pool and um, so you'll be, be able to find much more talent or be able to work with people that you would not normally work with uh, due to, uh, due to proximity issues that you now don't have. And then on the flip side for, for employees, um, you know if you if you live in a city that is very high in rent and living costs, so let's take a lot of people that work in Silicon Valley, um, and are you know, are paying astronomical uh, rates for rent. I think Mumbai is also very expensive, if I'm not mistaken, um, or Tokyo. Um, this allows employees, therefore, to choose to move to another place, which is maybe more, um, you know, more much more quieter, it's cheaper, uh, you have much more space, which also does really well to the well-being of, of employees.
1: The gradual return will not be easy, and there will be permanent shifts to the open office in the long term. After all, everyone's concerned for their safety. Even if a vaccine is discovered, there is no question that our public spaces have to be made pandemic-proof. So how will these new spaces look? What are the things we can't ignore? Will we go back to cubicles? We spoke to Priyamvada Singh, the architect behind the Harappa office, that we're proud to say has made headlines more than once. Priyamvada studied architecture at Columbia University and now runs her own firm, Common Ground Practice, in New Delhi first things first she says our ventilation systems need a relook given that air is a primary route of transmission
3: you basically exchange the air uh, to bring in natural air from outside and you know so you're cleaning up the air in the interior so these things now more and more clients I think everybody is talking about it and saying okay you know is, is our space properly ventilated because that is the first way, that you, the most important way that you are spreading the virus, or any virus for that matter, with coronavirus in specific, uh, is you know, through the air, right? through breathing, etc. So it's things like these which I think people have become more cognizant of. Returning to the cubicle is
1: unlikely. The open office is now presented with an opportunity to become more open than ever before. And if it morphs into more of a space for collaboration, socialization, and connection, Beyond a space to try and do individual work, the architecture will need to evolve to include more community spaces, not less. Lines of individual desks might not be as important as lots of spaces to work with and alongside each other.
3: Bring kind of a publicness into the building. What I mean by that is that you know um, a little uh, courtyard with a green space or whatever, where you know breakout space, which is actually an out. You're bringing the outdoor inside. Again, uh, you know, I'll take your example of your office of Harappa, the current one which is in the uh, Kutub Institutional Area. Every time I walk into your building, there are at least five to ten people uh, you know, standing outside in the outdoor areas, in different spots in the outdoor areas, making calls, right? Not everybody does that. But there is, there is that sense of mental break also that you need from a, you know, an interior space. The materials used will change as well. So in terms of materials like uh, things like wood, uh, porous materials, uh, you know, will be not used as much unless you can say that uh, you know I'm going to uh, coat it with this nano coating and I can uh, repeat coat every three years. Now, not every organization can do that. So instead, you will start to use more uh, robust materials, you know, which can be cleaned with agents. So for instance, stones, laminates, things like these. Even the material quality of of how you design an office, you know, you'll uh, disregard uh, uh, carpets much more, or you'll have to buy like really expensive carpets which are antimicrobial and things like that.
1: And more and more things will become automated. Could this mean saying goodbye to high touch surfaces like the dreaded switch and the knock? Meanwhile, Professor Fennick has an unconventional take. He wonders if the modern office will come under pressure to feel more like home as the homes turn into offices.
2: It wouldn't surprise me if the the let's say the modern office has to compete now with your own home. So now we're talking about working from home as a requirement, right? And now it's becoming a new norm in that sense, a new work form, uh, which is much more acceptable. But I think in over time, when working from home is like it's kind of like it's a, it's a done deal. Everyone accepts it. There's no more discussion about it. I might see that the the modern workplace will have to compete to have employees come back to the workplace. So I think the purpose of the modern workplace might change. In other words, um, I think maybe the workplace might become much more, and this is what I would advise companies to do, is to become much more purpose-driven in terms of um, becoming a place of well-being.
1: Opinion is again divided, but co-working spaces could see a resurgence. Companies practicing social distancing within the office realize they need more space, which may lead to an uptick in the adoption of spaces outside the office.
3: Priyamada makes a case for co-working spaces for another reason too. And if you look at our ancient cities, uh, you know, specifically in India, uh, I don't think there was a single building which didn't have a multifunctionality within it. Right, like whether it was a house. Uh, You know, there was an angan, which was semi-public. Then there was a stoop in front of the uh, house, which was, you know, completely public. It was on the street. The street becomes completely public, right? So this is all like from that level to, let's say, a temple or a mosque or um, churches, I'm not for sure, but temples and mosques at least of, you know, up to the 16th century or so. uh, They were never just religious places. Yes, they were. The main function was religion. But then, uh, you know, they were used as schools. They were used as gurukuls, They were used for marriages. They were used for all kinds of community functions. The streets that led out of these uh, complexes—they were not temples, right? They were temple complexes. They were mosque complexes. And the streets that came out of it, you know, they were bazaars. Which every community came and sold all kinds of things that you know. So there was a com- commercial aspect uh, also attached to these things. And one space, one singular space, over time was being utilized in different manners, right? So your uh, your footprint on the earth was light, and I think we need to revisit that. Like more and more people are talking about multi-functionality, and you see that in all other uh, uh, you know uh, consumption. Uh, things like, uh, let's say, Uber and Airbnb, right? Like we're talking about uh, co-consuming everywhere else. Why are we not talking about co-consuming of spaces? Which is really uh, the largest impact on your environment. So
1: the verdict is that the physical office isn't going to be the relic of an ancient civilization. It's here to stay. All this form will change and keep evolving, like it always has the cubicle became what we today know as the open office. Will the open office evolve into something bigger and more complex? We imagine it thriving side by side with remote work, introducing more fresh air and using materials and designs that make it transmission resistant. It is not the death of the office, or so we hope. With that, we come to the end of Season 2. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for more. Until then, keep powering through with good habits. Habits Matter is a show brought to you by Harappa Education. This episode was scripted, produced, and managed by Nitish Chansuddin and Soumya Bharguna under the editorial direction of Seema Chaudhary. Shout out to Madhvan, our super talented audio engineer and a brilliant design team for our snazzy creators. Follow Habits Matter on Instagram and Harappa Education on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook.